Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We are moving closer to that April 1st anniversary of my six years as a solopreneur. I'm really proud of the fact that I've made this work and I've had a lot of fun along the way and I've learned so much. And people always ask me, what tips do you have for solopreneurs? So I'm starting every show as I lead up to April 1st with one of my 20 tips for solopreneurs. And today we're all the way up to tip number 17. And tip number 17 is get involved with your trade association or industry groups. I'm a real big believer that all opportunities in life come from people. And the more time you spend with others, the more opportunities you're going to find. And lots of times people tell me, well, I don't want to join my association because if I join my association, I'm just going to be hanging out with a bunch of competitors and competitors don't hire me. In the professional speaker world, I'm very involved in the National Speakers Association, and I one time had a speaker tell me, well, I would never go there. I only go to conferences where people can buy my product. And I thought, God, how awful to just always be looking at everybody out there as if they have a pork chop hanging around their neck, and you're a wolf who hasn't eaten in a month. And every time you see somebody, it's like, zing, got to get them. I think sometimes it's good to hang out with your competitors because your competitors aren't evil. In most cases, your competitors are probably pretty nice people who face a lot of the same challenges you do. And sometimes if you join a national organization and you sell regionally, your competitors aren't really competitors. They're a brain trust of people who can actually, you know, help you find best practices that can help you launch your career even higher. And it's not competing with them because if you're in Oregon and they're in New York, you're not selling to the same clients. And oftentimes, even if you have a national practice, it's still, you're not going to run across each other that much. You know, I speak to over 50 audiences a year, and I probably run into the same competitors. When people are trying to decide between two or three speakers, I probably run into the same short list of speakers twice a year. Almost never am I up against the same person, unless we were referred by someone who referred both of us. But usually, it's always someone different. So I don't look at other speakers as my competitors. And being involved in the National Speakers Association, as well as being involved with uh, ASAE and MPI, which is the American Society of Association Executives and Meeting Professionals International, being involved with groups in the meetings business has allowed me to interact with a lot of other speakers who are there trying to help me succeed. And that sort of leads us to today's episode. Today's episode, we're going to talk about mastermind groups. Now, this is a term that a lot of people think they understand or they're confused by, or oftentimes they say, I've never heard of that, or I've heard of it, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And today's episode, I have two of the four members of my own mastermind group. I have us all on the podcast chatting about how we put the group together, what the group means to us, and the success that we found because of the group. We recorded this episode at the South by Southwest Interactive Festival where Jessica Pettit and Jerry O'Brien and I all were on a panel talking about this. Our panel was called Mastermind Construction Zone, and the main purpose was to tell people how they, no matter what industry they're in, they can put together a group of peers who become like each other's unofficial board of directors, and together they can help everyone succeed more. 
So sit back and listen to this episode and listen to Jerry and Jessica and I chat about how to put together a mastermind group. I am sitting here with two people who are very important to me. They're both members of my mastermind group. And a lot of people always ask when I mention about this group, what is a mastermind group? And it is a group of peers who are there to support each other. It's sort of like an informal board of directors for my business, but at the same time, I'm sort of part of their informal board of directors. And the idea of a mastermind group isn't new, although lately they're very popular. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of podcasters host paid mastermind groups where a lot of their listeners will come together for a day. There are groups like uh, Vistage and EO and YPO that uh, CEOs pay for of different size companies to be able to participate with other CEOs and share ideas and share best practices and really lay out their problems and get people who are living the same life to be able to come back and say, have you tried this? Maybe this is a solution. And also to give moral support. It sort of goes beyond just business. After time, like any relationship that you build, once you get to know somebody, they become a social friend. So this goes back hundreds of years. Benjamin Franklin actually was part of a mastermind group. He put together a group of people in Philadelphia who got together to talk about the problems of the time and their businesses, and they shared ideas. And it was through getting together with other people that he came up with some of the great ideas that he is known for. The concept and the term mastermind group often is contributed back to Napoleon Hill, who released a book in the 1930s called Think and Grow Rich, where he talked about any time that you bring two or more people together, it's not just two minds, a third mind is created, which he called the mastermind, which exposes them to different ideas. So I've participated in a few groups like this. I actually was in a group about 15 years ago that was made up of a bunch of people who were in their 30s who got together and we all wanted to accept sell our careers. We all had different ideas and we were all local. We didn't have jobs where we traveled a lot. And what happened was, is we would meet for breakfast uh, one day a month and then happy hour another day a month. So every two, every two weeks or so we got together and shared our career thoughts and what we were working on. And if I look back, that was really a huge turning point in my career. I knew at that point I would like to maybe pursue becoming a speaker. And I shared that with these people. It wasn't something that I just had going on in my mind. I had a group of people that I opened up to and I shared with them what my long-term desire was and fast forward a decade and a half and I'm living that life. And it was from some of the advice that they gave me that allowed me to start on that path so many years ago. So this whole idea of bringing people together uh, is is wonderful. And we have a group called, we call it the Bat Signal, which basically, if you think of the Batman cartoon, when uh, they flash the Bat Signal up into the clouds, Batman comes running to help. And that's really kind of the way our group has sort of become, is if anybody has a need, we can send an email or pick up the phone, and all of a sudden, boom, there are people there to help you. But we also meet formally every month by phone and twice a year in person to really do a deep dive about our businesses. So what I'd like to do at this time is hand the microphone over to Jessica Pettit. She is a phenomenal speaker. She works in the college market and has become uh, a new part of her business going into associations and corporations and talking about diversity and inclusion and lots of other things. And I'm going to have Jessica talk about how she put our group together because she was really the person who had sort of that impetus that said, hey, let's make this happen. 
Jess? Well, thanks, Tom, for having me back. I really appreciate it. And yes, it's exactly what happened. I had been a member of a mastermind group that was not very successful, nor did I feel that it was very supportive, largely because we would meet in person quarterly. We'd all come up with deadlines. And then the next quarter, nobody had done anything except for me. So I started feeling like I was pressuring everyone and it didn't feel very welcoming. So I created a goal of creating my own mastermind group. So I started paying attention to what I needed for my business and then reached out to total strangers or close to total strangers. I got their phone numbers off of websites that fit those criteria. So the first one was I knew I was going to be moving from education to association work. So I didn't want anyone in the education market. I also then thinking of my old mastermind group thought about the quality that I have that I seem to get really upset if someone else doesn't have. I didn't want to be mad the whole time. And that's what I call follow through or gas pedal. So I started paying attention within the network, um, either Facebook, etc., just friends of who would say I would like to do this. And then six months later, it was done. So that was kind of a tip. The other piece was is that what I'm worst at and what I wanted to get better at was work life balance. So I also started paying attention to people within the network of who would turn down gigs or contracts to spend time with family or friends or who's mentioned that they had family and friends. And my workaholicness would just be like, wow, that's a thing. So those people kind of surfaced to the top. I eventually went to all their websites, got all their phone numbers and asked them if they would join a mastermind group. Then the first time we ever met was a Google Hangout, and the topic really was, how do we want to do this? We all made a year commitment to talk on the phone with each other, you know, once a month or so, uh, meet in person, and go from there. And it really has turned into one of the best things I've ever done for my business. Go bat signal. So Jerry, what are some examples that you've seen for yourself and the rest of us of where this mastermind group has had like positive impact? Well, yeah, it's been remarkable. When you start something like this and you get asked to do it, the first thing is, oh, do I have time? Can I make the investment of time? Do I want to be in a group with these people? Is it going to be valuable? And people ask me all the time, they say, you know, you put a lot of money and effort and time into this, but you know, what do you get out of it? And for me, I was in corporate America. I was an executive in corporate America, I left my job to try to start my own thing to become a speaker. And when you do that, you're sort of out there on an island, you're by yourself and you say, well, God, I, you got to figure out what to do on your own by yourself. One of the biggest things I've got out of the group is the ability to have a sounding board, your own personal board of directors, things to bounce people off of. And what has been remarkable and what I think a lot of people get into this for is the actual business results. I value having people in my life that I can talk to and say, hey, what about this or what about that? But the outcome has been remarkable. We went to a meeting um, in one of the cities that we were in. And the way that it works essentially is we spend over a couple of days, three or four hours going deep on every single person's business. And during that time, we focus on nothing but your business. And so, Tom, if I can talk about you on your own podcast, <laughs> we were encouraged. Tom was, was challenged. He said, I want to take my business to the next level. And we talked about strategies that Tom, that you could use to what we called go big. Tom, you got to go big. And we talked about a lot of different strategies. And Jessica talked about the gas pedal. Within three months, Tom had 
created an idea for a podcast, gone and got all the equipment, the technology for a podcast, figure out how do you do it, gotten an editor and all sorts of other things that I have no idea since I don't do a podcast and launched in the top 10 of all career podcasts, had huge success, has interviewed amazing people, the CEO of Ghirardelli Chocolate as an example. Amazing success with just a little bit of a push. So one of the things that you get is accountability and ideas and then you, you get that feeling of, oh, I'm actually going to go do this. And things happen in your career. Jessica has changed dramatically from being an education-focused speaker into being corporate in, in, in association market. Uh, a big shift in her career. And uh, for, uh, for me, you know, one of the things I'm focused on is trying to work less in my business but get more done. And I got extreme clarity during one of the meetings that I need some help. And I hired a business development director who has been absolutely remarkable and amazing. So it's been just dramatic results and outcomes, some of which are financial, some of which are, you know, more focus on the right things, um, and some of which are big, go big opportunities. So it's really been remarkable how people have advanced and how we've made deeper connections uh, with each other. So in our industry as professional speakers, because all of us do this for a living, in our industry, this is really popular. A lot of the people who, you know, we look to and admire who are, you know, kind of down the road ahead of us in this business have been part of mastermind groups for a long time. Is this something that you guys think works for anybody in any group, in any industry? Would this work for anyone? Absolutely. I think that any industry needs the idea of having kind of a sounding board. I mean, even my partner is a philosophy professor, and I keep recommending that all of these other professors that are publishing and academics on topics that he really likes that he wish he could get to know better, like call them up and make a group. Um, he, of course, shoots me down because it's against the culture to really do these kind of things. But in order to make change, you got to do something different. And if it's counterculture to pull together people you look up to that you feel like you could learn from, then I'm all counterculture. What do you think, Jerry? Not only do I think it could work in any industry, I even see groups uh, that, I, that I speak for sometimes who... Uh, have groups that are across industries. So CEOs will get together because they feel like they don't necessarily have anyone in their organization that they can talk to about the specific kinds of challenges and issues they have. So it can work absolutely in any industry. And the funny thing is it's not common in many industries. As professional speakers, it's common, but in a lot of industries, it's not. And it's too bad because they could get huge amounts of value from it. And that group that I was involved with originally, you know, 15 plus years ago, that group was made up of people from all different industries. There were seven of us and one person was in advertising, one person was a marketing consultant, another was a financial planner, another owned a yoga studio. And then at the time I was a salesman uh, with sort of this dream of becoming a speaker. But we all had very different things. Our commonality was we were all about the same age. We were all in our 30s and we all looked and said, wow, we would like to be more successful when we're in our 40s than just the path we're on and we weren't even executives i mean necessarily one person you know a couple of them i guess own their own business but a lot of us worked for other companies and sometimes people think oh well maybe you have to be the ceo if you're going to put a group like this together but i was talking to someone the other day and he was a chief technology officer 
in a company and he lived in a small town and he worked remotely and he said, God, you know, it's not uncommon to be a CTO and, and live remotely or to, you know, live in a small town, but it would be so great if he had people either in his town or even across the country where they could meet by Skype. Cause that's another thing. Our group, we've put together sort of this whole point that we meet face to face twice a year, or this is sort of an extra, our whole group isn't with us right now, but we're actually at South by Southwest speaking on a panel about this topic. And so we sort of have like a little mini mastermind going because we're together for a couple of days. But, you know, I think the face-to-face component is very important for our group, but you don't have to. I know people who are in groups that just meet on Skype or Google Hangouts or by phone. So there's a lot of ways you can do it. So I don't think you have to second guess that you have to have the right job title or be in the right industry. I would add that I think that the the key piece of what's really made this group work and for other people listening is you really have to pick the right people and I would be lying if I didn't say it wasn't awkward to call total strangers and be like, hi, I need your help. I would like, I have a goal to set up a mastermind group to get my business someplace else. I think I have something I could possibly offer you. Do you want to hang out on Google for an hour? That is awkward. And I was 100% convinced I was asking the right people. And we all made a one year commitment. And I don't know, I I don't want to speak for y'all, but I don't know that Two years ago, we were like, oh, this is going to last forever. But I can't imagine running my business without it. I don't, I mean, even y'all have become such close personal friends. I can't imagine what, I can't imagine what this would be like just asking my dogs again for business advice. I don't think I can go backwards. So, <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's, it's true. I think selection of people has been key, and we're all very different very different people. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at, at Tom and Jess and Tom is very conservative and, and wears plaid shirts and Jessica's hair currently is purple and tealish bluish. And so all very unique, uh, different people. But one of the things I value the most is we're in a business where we speak to thousands of people across the country, but we feel very alone. So it's great to have people to call and be like, hey, you'll never believe what happened or what about this in my business or whatever. And it's, it gives you like that sort of family home away from home that's that's wonderful to have well and you bring up an interesting point because we didn't all know each other very well and i think that was by design when jessica put it together she didn't just say hey i want to get my four best friends to create this group of five and while she knew some of the people like there's a couple people one person in the group who you were very close with but the rest of us i didn't i never met him before and so as people were added to the group one of the questions was you know is this somebody who is not the usual suspects? And I think that worked out very well, but it brings up a good thing that over the past almost two years now, we have sort of transcended from, oh, this is a very business group to the fact that we are all very ingrained in each other's families too. And, you know, you all stayed at my house while you're in Austin for South by Southwest. And, you know, you already know my kids and you know my wife and, you know, my wife, you know, made dinner for us and we all sat around and drank wine and and had a good time and laughed. But I also remember the first time we ever met face to face we checked into the hotel and I let everybody know, hey, my father, who was 99 years old, we knew we were reaching the end of his journey. And my brother had said, it's probably only a couple more weeks, but, you know, go off to your go off to your business meeting. Everything's going to be fine. So we arrived on a Monday and in the middle of the night, uh, I got a phone call. And actually, I was sharing a room with Jerry and he heard the phone ring and didn't wake me, which, by the way, was the right call. Uh, but my brother called and left a message that dad had passed away. And in an interesting way, I was with the right people to be with, to go through kind of that, you know, life milestone of mine was to be there with some, some cherished friends. And I don't even think at that time we were at the level of friendship we're at now, but for me, 
it wasn't just about business. And of course, we had to adjust the meeting because someone in the group's dad died, but we were able to go forward and, and have that meeting. And I felt like I had three very supportive people around me for the next two days before I got home and had to, you know, become part of, you know, the whole family scene that goes on when someone passes away. So I, you know, what do you want to add to the fact that it sort of has transcended just from a business group? Well, one of the things about, as you think about put your own ma- putting your own mastermind group together and that I've heard from other successful mastermind groups is that they will literally stay together for 5, 10, 20, 30 years and change the course of, of people's businesses in, in their lives. And so you don't know when you're putting it together, but I think the point of don't just ask your, your best friends is a, is a good one. Select carefully uh, to be uh, good for everyone. Well, and you bring up a good point. We've developed something special and it's working, but I also tried to put together another group after I became a speaker and it was all virtual. It was just going to be by phone calls, but after the third meeting, nobody was showing up. So the other thing that I've learned is if you try to put one of these groups together, it may not work. Jessica was in a group before that sort of fell apart. And so sometimes it's a trial and error type thing. So what do you do if you end up in a group that's not working or that doesn't have sort of this sort of symbolico going on? Well, I think my first reaction was I was doing something wrong. And so I was really like paying attention to what is it that I'm not doing? Like I'm meeting all my deadlines. And then I tried to upgrade my like holding everybody accountable, which I think really was just annoying them because I was just pointing out what they weren't doing. And eventually I just cut bait and was like, look, I really liked this idea but there's a lot of things about this I didn't like. So what could I do to create something that I not only would like, but I could really benefit and grow from, um, which was, has been invaluable. So I have an interesting question to pose since uh, we're getting ready to do this. So uh, the next time we call each other is in April. That's how this works. Um, what is something that you want to accomplish by April or by our phone call? Oh, wow. What do I want to do by April? That phone call is coming up uh, quickly. Um, one of the things... Yeah. So, so survive this trip. Stop being on the road so much. Um, one of the things that I need to do is um, I work now with this business development person. We've been working together since September. She keeps asking me for a contract. <laughs> I will have that contract done. So I actually have a formal agreement with her um, because it's one of those things that's easy to put off, but I'll get it done if I make the commitment and you guys hold me accountable, which is sadly what you do well and april 1st for me and people who listen to the show know because i start every show leading up to april 1st with sort of a tip for solopreneurs because april 1st marks six years that i've been working full-time by myself and for myself and so one of the things we talked about and and jerry did in the earlier part of this of this uh, interview is he talked about one of my goals is how do you think bigger and so i look at the six-year mark as a really important time because i've got a lot of things in place to help grow my business i've I've got a lot of clients that are bigger level clients that I'm going to be working with. And so I really feel that April 1st really becomes sort of a rebirth for my career on this new level that we've worked so hard to help get me to over the past 18 months. And so for me, it's not something I want to accomplish, but it's sort of putting on that new suit of clothes as I go into the seventh year and moving forward that I think it's sort of a symbolic, really sort of a rebirth time for my business. So how about you, Jess? What are you going to do? Um, it's always t- This is the fun thing about masterminds, right? Is you ask the really tough questions, but then you have to answer them. Um, I will say by April 1st, I'll have an editorial calendar put together so that my writing isn't so randomly willy-nilly, um, which has been serving me sort of not well. Um, but by April 1st, I'll have one for 2015 and 2016 so that I have a base understanding of what I'm focusing on. That's my goal. So, you know, one thing we haven't actually faced, but I know a lot of the other mastermind groups that our peers are in have faced is 
A, number one, what do you do if somebody isn't the right fit for your group? I mean, our group, nobody is a problem child, but what do you do if somebody's not the right fit? Or some people move on to different phases of their career and they drop out and they leave a hole and and maybe you want to add somebody to the group. And we've not done this, but I know other groups, you know, to keep the group alive and to keep it fresh when someone retires or moves on or, or leaves the business, they'll add a new person. And we've never really talked about this, but this could easily happen in our group. What would we do if we wanted to try and find someone new, could you add someone into a group where a family has been created? Well, I I think what's interesting is we've got enough uh, time under our belts now that we would use the process that that Jess did. We'd look at ourselves and say, where do we have a hole? Where do we have the opportunity to learn? Where could we use additional someone advice or whatnot? And then we know a lot of people in the speaking industry. We talk about personality fit and who it's one of the age old things. Who do you want to spend a couple hours with sitting in the airport? And you got to really want to spend that that time with them. So it would be part fit from a career standpoint and part fit from a personality standpoint. I, I feel really fortunate that I actually haven't thought about that at all, but I think for sure when and if that occurs, this particular group, even the person who's leaving would be involved in that decision. And we would look at people and pay attention and much like how this group formed, those candidates would kind of bubble to the top. Um, that, that's what I would hope would happen. So what advice would you have for somebody who maybe listened to this podcast episode or maybe they came to our South by Southwest panel and they said, you know, wow, this is a really good idea. I feel like there's something missing in my career and having, you know, this type of a support group would be like totally beneficial. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to go put a group together? Do it. Not to steal a sporting equipment theme or whatever that's called. But my fear of actually becoming successful is what prevented me from doing this faster. Jerry? Uh, I would say, and we've talked about about people selection, I would say um, figure out what you really want. I think Jessica did it, did it the right way. She had been in groups that didn't work before. She figured out what is what are the important factors and and pick and then start talking to people. But, you know, do it wisely. And I think my advice would be, like Jessica said, just do it. Get out there and, and give it a try and try and find people who have the gas pedal, that they're willing to do things, but also people who show that they're really committed. A lot of people sign up for stuff and never show up. And I know, you know, within our industry, we see it a lot of times, you know, people join, but they never come to a convention or they never get on a committee or they don't do anything. That's probably not the right people to have on a group. You need to find people who, when they, when they show up, they sign up and then they follow through. Because if I said, I tried to put a group together a couple of years earlier and I logged onto a call after confirming with everybody a couple of days before and nobody called into the call. And I'm like on it was just an audio like this was probably before Google Plus had been invented. And, you know, it was a uh, like free conference call line. And I can remember logging on and sitting there going like, la, 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 da, 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 waiting for that little beep sound, you know, when you're the first one on a conference call. And it never came. And when I followed up to people, one of the persons wrote back, one of the people wrote back to me and said, well, I had to get a proposal done. You understand. Well, no, you could have woken up an hour earlier. To, you know, it was an hour long call. You know, I have to get a proposal done is really not the answer. I can't imagine once we set a time, obviously, if we set a time to either get together in person or to do one of our Google Hangouts, if somebody booked a really big speaking gig, the rest of the group, we would reschedule it because people would be like, good for you. Or maybe the group would have it without that person and be like, yay for them. They're out there, you know, with a big client today. But if it was, if I didn't make one of our Google Hangouts and I said, no, I just, I needed to take a personal day. I think it would piss you all off. One of the things that Jessica did 
that was super smart that I just occurred to me when she started the group was when she came to each of us, she said, there's something very specific that you bring to the table that we want and we need in our group. And it made you feel important. It made you feel like I'm really bringing something to the table. And it also made you feel like, oh, I got to show up. It's, it's not just, oh, I'm going to show up if I want to. We're chosen, we're selected purposefully because we all bring something to the table that makes you feel. So when you're choosing your people, tell them why you want them to be part of the group. And that it ser- serves the group well. So my last question is, the three of us and the other two members of our mastermind group, we're all big personalities. We are big personalities. And <laughs> surprise, I know that is shocking. And in our industry, there's these groups exist, you know, all over the place. And our industry is made up of people with big egos who like to talk. And how do you do when you put a group of five, six, seven people together? How do you keep someone from dominating the conversation? And we do a really good job of it. But but what advice do you have to, to the rest of the people? And how do you keep somebody from sort of steamrolling the, the meeting? It seems like a really good question. But we were t- talking about this last night when we were kind of prepping for this. Spoiler alert. And um, I don't know that it would really occur in this group in a way that would be really harmful just because I think we respect each other so much that's kind of the obvious answer but the real truth of it from a completely selfish point of view is I learn when it's not my turn like we're, we have three hours focused on someone else's business with three or four people like laser beaming in I need to be paying attention to that so I mean I may have a huge ego but my ego also knows that I only get this twice a year um, when we meet monthly, I think sometimes those calls can sometimes go over their little two hour limit, but it's because we genuinely care about each other. And sometimes somebody's a little more stuck than somebody else. And we kind of externally process what's happening, but it all works out. And we we all learn from every word uttered in these meetings. I think that's how it kind of gets controlled. If it gets out of hand, I think we just say, Tom, shut your face. Let's go on. How come it was me? How come, how come it's Tom, shut your face? Well, and my answer would be structure. It's very, very structured. You know, you get three hours and there's a, a very definitive line between get and give. And during your three hours, you're there to put out your problems and to get and everyone is there to give. And during their three hours, it's your turn to give. So everyone gives to the fullest extent of their ability and everyone receives the same way. So very structured and purposeful. Well, Jessica Pettit and Jerry O'Brien, thank you so much for being repeat guests on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You both had an episode that you did earlier. So if you're listening, and you missed the Jessica Pettit episode or the Jerry O'Brien episode, go back and look through the archives. They're in there. If you want to find out more about Jessica, you can find her at goodenoughnow.com. And she has some really cool stuff. You got to go find out what it means to be good enough now. And if you want to find out more about Jerry O'Brien, you can go to what big brands know. K-N-O-W, whatbigbrandsknow.com. And Jerry's background is is that he was a, uh, a brand manager for some big companies. And now he helps small companies learn how they can kind of peek behind the curtain and see what's going on so that they can act like a big brand. So thank you very much for both of you for being here on the show. And for those of you who listened, thanks for tuning into this little discussion. We recorded this outside of Starbucks uh, at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And we're about to go deliver this same topic as a panel discussion. And I'm sure it will be wildly successful for everybody who's in the audience. But if you liked what you heard and you want to contact any of us, you can find us all on Twitter. You can find us all at our websites. Uh, follow our Follow this podcast at 
at cool podcast on Twitter, or you can go to our Facebook page and, and leave a question at Facebook and it's cool things entrepreneurs do. In the meantime, tune in in a couple of days for the next episode. And today, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the cool things entrepreneurs do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.